This Week in Startups is brought to you by Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform that is flexible enough to keep up with the most creative, fast-moving teams. Visit Airtable.com slash twist today to get $200 in free credits. Walker Corporate Law, a boutique law firm specializing in the representation of entrepreneurs. Visit them at walkercorporatelaw.com. And Brex, the corporate credit card built for startups with no personal liability, up to 20 times higher credit card limits, and huge rewards, Brex is perfect for venture-backed startups. Sign up at brex.com twist and get card fees waived for life by entering the code twist during signup. Also, sign up by November 30th and get $250 back after spending your first 1000 Upcoming launch events. Apply for the next Launch Accelerator cohort. Applications are due December 23rd. Learn more and apply at launchaccelerator.co. We've been talking over and over again on this podcast about the concept of the Pegasus. You've heard of the unicorn? That's a startup that becomes worth a billion dollars. I coined the term Pegasus. These are more powerful and more glorious than even the mighty unicorn. Why are Pegasus so coveted now in Silicon Valley? Because they are so profitable. They fly on the wings of profitability and skip rounds of funding, which preserves the cap table. And we've had a number of companies that we've invested in from Calm to Fitbod and others who are so profitable, they pour that profitability back into the product and the virtuous flywheel begins. A great product at a great price, sometimes, a little bit of pricing power uh, and a profitable price, so we're not trying to lose money, and then profits. And you pour those profits because you're running a frugal operation back into growth. And if you can get that flywheel going where, let's say, Calm is charging, I don't know, $59 a year, $69 a year, $79 a year, and they figure that out, but they can acquire customers for $10, $20, $30, $40, and they subscribe for the year, it's profitable. Then they take that extra $20, they acquire another customer, and the flywheel begins. And oh boy, when that gets going, yum yum skis. Well, uh, my guest today is from a company called Musician, which when he emailed me and said, I'm in town, I said, I love your software. I use Musician. I'm a paying member. I think I pay 100 bucks a year for Musician because I've been, as everybody knows, uh, obsessed with Mark Knopfler and playing electric guitar. And uh, someday I want to be able to play just one, just one song by Mark Knopfler before I die. Uh, and uh, our guest is Chris Turr. I hope I pronounced it reasonably well. Very well, yes. Ter, uh, you are the CEO and co-founder of Musician. Yep. Musician, uh, you heard my um, preamble about it being a Pegasus. Explain to me how you funded the company. I know there's 100 employees now, mm-hmm. which means, gosh, you're spending uh, at least a million dollars a month on salaries, et cetera. So you're spending tens of millions of dollars a year, which means you must have 30, 40, 50 million a year in revenue or something in that range. Are you public about those numbers or? The range that you said. The range is good. About so what I was going to Definitely say. over 20 million in revenue, mm-hmm. which means it's $100 a person. So you have hundreds of thousands of subscribers, mm-hmm. uh, all to a uh, musician. Explain to people what musician is yeah. and how you started it uh, and funded it in the early days. Yeah. 
Great. And thanks a lot for having me on the show. Of course. Uh, and, and thanks for the business. Yeah. And thanks for practicing the and product. helping to make the world a more musical place. Um, our mission is to make musicality as common as literacy. Great. So we believe everyone can and should play an instrument. And that's the basis behind it. So Usician is uh, an online service. You can use it as an app or on the laptop that teaches people how to play a musical instrument. The idea behind it is that you can use any real instrument, so you don't need any special devices. If you have a dusty old guitar in the corner, that will work just as fine. The microphone of your device will listen to what you play. It will give you instant feedback and on accuracy, on timing. And then a bit in a game-like manner, you unlock harder levels, you prove that you can do it, and then you can um, go to more advanced songs. There is all kinds of practicing features uh, that you can slow it down. And you can loop the section over and over again if you really want to learn that solo. And so, yeah, Musician, we launched in 2014. We have now five instruments available. The guitar, piano, ukulele, bass, and the newest uh, in the front is Musician for voice. So you can also learn to sing. Really? Yep. So you added singing. Yep. The product costs what? 20 bucks a month? $10 a month? It's $120 a year. 120 a year. And that unlocks everything? Everything, yes. Everything. So if you want to learn to sing and play guitar and play piano, 120 bucks a year, 10 bucks a month, Yep, you're done. And then it gets 50% more expensive if you want to learn the famous songs because there we pay the licensing ah, deal. So you have to musicians. pay an extra whatever, four or five bucks a month. Yep. All right. 100 employees. You're making well over 20, 30 million a year. You've got hundreds of thousands of subscribers. How did this all start? This the, where the founding story was me and my co-founder met at the university in Finland. So I'm originally from Switzerland. I worked uh, in a laser research center trying to get a PhD in laser physics. And we met at the university in a course and we worked well together. And we were just thinking before our real career start, let's do a startup or let's start something of our own. And the idea to make music education, frankly, came from an own experience of both of us not succeeding in learning to play an instrument. I took piano class classes when I was around 12 years old and pretty soon quit, didn't, wasn't motivated to practice, just stopped and my parents let me gracefully leave the classes and my co-founder wanted to learn the guitar. And at the time, well, it was the end of the guitar hero era. Yeah, We were like, why isn't anyone doing something like this? I mean, anyone who has ever seen anyone play guitar hero had that same idea, which is why don't they do this for real guitar? Something and why don't they? Why didn't they? I honestly, I don't know. I think Guitar Hero sold really well. It was a very good service. It was also um, easier to get on board. It was less intimidating, right? You just had like four keys you had to press, right? Yeah. I mean, Guitar Hero is definitely, it's a, it's a guitar-shaped gaming controller rather than actual guitar. Right. I do give a lot of credit still for Guitar Hero in that way that, and many teachers told us that as well. When Guitar Hero was popular, a lot of the kids would go and take guitar lessons because they said, ah. I love this thing. Why don't I do the real thing? So there was a lot of uh, drive from them. It was an onboarding kind of in, in some form yes um, so you started when we met in well we started in 2011 ah and the first product was also launched in 2011 which was at that point a kids app for kids to learn to play a guitar and it was it had already the same idea the technology would listen to you and you can was um, it called musician or was it called something else no at that point it was called wild courts it right. was a very cute game for children with where you collect the animals and to keep ah. them motivated to practice, the market research clearly shows that most people learn to play an instrument do it when they're kids. But that was still in the early days, I think, even for the apps. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was where, the first or second year of the App Store, right? Yeah, and at that point, it seemed like the business model on the App Store is the Angry Birds model, which is 79 cents for the whole thing. Yeah. And people were not willing to spend more money particularly, I think, also parents spending for digital music education. It was early, so it was a great product. People loved it, frankly, didn't make much money. And yeah, because this is the era of apps being like goofy 
Pet Rock, 99 cents, $1.99, get the beer or the lighter app where yep. you like flick a lighter or it's, you pour a beer. I mean, it was like apps at that time were gimmicks, weren't they? It, to some extent, yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even Angry Birds was like, they were like, here's 10 levels of people throwing birds at you know buildings. It was, was kind of gimmicky. Yeah. But at some point it changed and the app store started supporting subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And was that the thing that really changed everything for a musician? I would say there is two things that changed everything. One is the idea that we actually went away from a game to a music education service. Got it. Because before, we, I think we had half of the, the idea right, which was the idea, let's combine what games do well with music education to keep people motivated to practice. You that mean was gamification? A, that was a good idea, yes. Unlocking, giving instant feedback. You can. It's, it's hard when you play an instrument, you're like, you don't realize you're getting better. But when we can do it note by note, you realize like every turn around, you're like, I'm getting a bit better, I'm doing a bit more. That's you what I love progress. about the product is when I was doing the lead guitar, um, it would tell me, perfect, keep going. And then mm-hmm. it gives you a rating mm-hmm. and you get one to three stars and it only lets you go ahead like one or two levels. Mm-hmm. So you can't like go all the way ahead, right? You have to like unlock them. Yeah. And so it doesn't give you this feeling of like, oh my God, I'm terrible. It just says go back a couple of lessons, warm up, yeah. do the stuff you already know. And then you're unlocking levels and then there's a leaderboard. And I saw my friend Stonely was trying to learn how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And Stonely and I are on the leaderboard together. And I was like, oh, I got to get a little practice in now. So I beat Stonely. So you had the gamification (laughs) and the leaderboard as well. Yeah. And there is another aspect to it where if you start to learn an instrument, let's say on YouTube, and you're like, okay, beginner lesson, you learn two chords. And then the next thing you're going to do is Stairway to Heaven. It You will like, yeah, it's just too big of a jump. And so it helps to you know, pace it a bit for people and, and tell them, look, you are making progress. You're having, you're having fun, hopefully as well. Mm-hmm. And you're getting better because time is really, you need to put in the time um, to get better. Uh, and how many people have downloaded the software now? How many people are using it every day? We have, um, I think monthly active users on, on the, all the product yeah. uh, is about 15 million. Wow. That, uh, but we count it as a real, they have to have a good i mean a real experience and we count it like you have to really sit down with the instrument so it's not enough to turn up on the app you really need to sit down and play a few meaningful things so that we count you as you have you get the benefit of the product and you know that because you turn the microphone on and you can tune your guitar or if you play a g chord it says great you did a g chord it knows that you did it right yeah Uh, and that's a key part of this too is you made some sort of framework for listening over the just crummy microphone on people's laptops or people's iPads, right? Yeah, that was quite a hard thing to solve, actually, because the there is also backing track. The backing track often sounds similar, so ah. we have to actually filter that out. On top of that, there is background noise, different, oh. you know, somebody vacuuming in the background or traffic. So it's quite a hard thing to do. And then with all the combinations of Android speakers and latencies, it's not an easy thing to do, but it works. So the first well. thing you got right was the gamification. Yep. And then the second thing that went right for the business was subscriptions, correct? Yes. That Apple supported subscriptions yeah i think the subscription worked then really well but the first point still we went away from half we we didn't musician was then a major pivotal point for us where we realized people are looking for music education service so we can still keep some of the game like features but it should not be a game right and that's i think when people started recognizing it changed from you know 2.99 it's Mm. ridiculously crazy to then when we charged at ten dollars a month which people felt like that seems like a reasonable thing for music education prefer to spend $10 a month for two years than spend $2.99 or $29 up front. 
for whatever psychological reason, subscriptions are easier for people to get behind than one-time purchases, correct? Yeah, yeah. Why I, is that? Uh, Any psychological reason? I have my own reason. But. Yeah, I'd love to hear yours. For us, I think personally, I also I really like subscription. I think it's a good model because we are not spending most of our effort to make a great ad to convince you to buy something right. that is then bad. What really happened with the subscription is, and it's still true today, which is our marketing team and our product teams, they are fully in line where they say the best thing yes. we can do is to add another couple of months of retention, keep the people more motivated. As long right. as they learn and as long as they are motivated, it creates they keep alignment. Paying. Yes, it's beautiful. It's really actually great. And for the users, it is a nice incentive. And still, um, I mean, an upfront product like ours would probably cost more around a hundred bucks or something right. like this. And then a hundred bucks for something I haven't even tried sounds like a lot. Correct. That's what I think it is. It's the considered purchase and the dilemma of what if I don't like it? It's not easy to return an app. You can return any app in the app store, but you have to email customer support mm -hmm. and it's, they don't make it like one press a button and get your money back. So. But with a subscription, you're like, well, it's 10 bucks. If I don't like it, I can always cancel. So it feels freer. When we get back mm -hmm. from this break, I want to know how you funded this company because I know you got a $2.5 million grant or something, which is equity free. I want to know how much of this company do you still own and how much do investors own when we get back on This Week in Startups. Software should not dictate how you work. You should dictate how you work. That's where Airtable comes in. It's an all-in-one collaboration platform that is sweeping through Silicon Valley and tech startups. People are going crazy for this, including the investment community. I use it. Everybody's using it. Brian Alvey uses it. Everybody's crazy about Airtable. And Airtable is an ideal product for founders who are price sensitive, huh? And who are time poor. You don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of time. You want to use Airtable and you want to create and operationalize as many processes inside of your startup. Founders can use Airtable for a wide variety of use cases. Product roadmaps, right? Maybe sprint planning, huh? Application tracking, fundraising, CRM, all the different investors you're using, and so much more. They have a template for everything. So instead of researching and buying and managing all these desperate, disparate, desperate, disparate, you know what I'm talking about, all the different ones. You don't need all these tools, just use Airtable, come on. Here's CMO Presh showing us how easy Airtable is to use by popping in, grabbing a template, and just using his data in Airtable. It integrates with all the apps you already use, like Slack, the G Suite, which is Google Docs, GitHub, LinkedIn, Dropbox. Customers of Airtable include Reddit, Slack, Box, WeWork, Zoom, Cole Hand, Shopify, BuzzFeed. In other words, every important company is using Airtable. Why? Because it saves you time, it saves you money, and what more do you need to know? So I want you to head over to Airtable.com slash twist and get $200 in free credits. I am not kidding you. That's not just a hundy from JCal. That's two hundy from JCal. Two beans, okay? Two hundred. Large. Boom. In your pocket if you go to Airtable.com slash twist right now. At launch, Ballooner, Steezy, Tori, Freeplay, and all of our founders are using it. They're crazy about it. Okay. Thanks again to Airtable for making an awesome product. Let's get back to this awesome episode. All right. Chris Tur is here. He is the CEO and co-founder of Musician. They're making tens of millions of dollars with a subscription app that I love called Musician. Uh, that's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N.com, Musician. You can look for it in the App Store, which is where I subscribe to, but you can also use it on the web yep. as well as Android and iOS. Most people use an iPad or a phone. 
most are probably on the phone. The best experience is on the bigger screen. You got to have an iPad. I use use I your mean, laptop. At some point, somebody said, this was, musician was the reason why my wife allowed me to buy a tablet. <laughs> it's yeah. really, it felt like that's what it's made for. Tablet yeah. is great. It's but great still, on an it's iPad. cool on the go. I use it on the phone or then on the laptop that I can put on my piano. All right. Um, have you taken any investment money? Yeah. And when did you take money? In 2012. So way back then, you raised some small amount of money, a half million dollars, a million dollars? One and a half million. One and a half million. Yeah. Those investors suffered with you through four or five years of the product, let's face it, going sideways or no growth or low growth. It was okay. We had, so True Ventures is our investor. Oh, wow. And we, at that time, I told you we had this animal product and we had to ask ourselves, do we want to start from scratch or do we want to continue building on this thing? And because we felt that kids, parents is not the right market, at least for now, we looked at adults. And so we built the next product called GuitarBots. That's also where- I remember we, when we GuitarBots, you came to launch and it was a yeah. physical guitar and you played it for me. Yeah, we had, yes. So that there was, was a physical guitar, right? It was not. So oh, it was, was not. The, the idea was still the same. Ah. It was also a product, but it was clearly a game. It had robots ah, and the story and it, characters. Yeah. So that's um, what we did. And we actually did, that's also, we rolled out the subscription and we managed to somewhat become profitable. At that point, mm -hmm. we were a very small team, uh, but we were able to kind of grow it profitably from then. I think the exciting days came then when we really switched to musician, ah. where we were able when to- When was that? Uh, 2014. Got it. So your investors are like, I wonder if this company is going to make it. They're pivoting and pivoting. And it was the third product that actually clicked. Yeah. Wow. Did they give up on you? Did they? Did you feel like they maybe wrote you off a little bit? Mm, I wouldn't say so. I think True has been really incredible for us. Um, they kept showing up for the board meetings? They, well, to be fair... Um, there were no board meetings? No, not at that time, no. No. <laughs> so, but they were happy enough with us, I think, um, because we have we didn't need any addi additional funding. We built something and we invented the category of digital music education the mm. way it is now. I think that is still something we are proud of. And then it started growing and I think True has been very happy. Um, mm. They also always said, we're going to support the entrepreneurs. I think they built a True brand around this thing. I can yeah. speak as a as a portfolio company of True Ventures is definitely true. So there was never a push, hey, let's go raise more. Um, let's just build a good product. And that's what we did. So you also raised two and a half million dollars from the government in a grant at some point? Yeah, it, I think it's less than that, but yes, yeah. something like this. So that's non-dilutive. Yeah. And that's the only fundraising you've ever had? Yeah. Those two? Yeah. So less than $4 million between the grant and the original investment. Yep. Four million to hit a thirty, forty, fifty million dollar a year run rate. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yep. So, <laughs> what is the lesson that founders who are listening can take from this? What should they learn about what you did to maintain your cap table and not get addicted to raising money and the road to just nowhere of just raising money, raising money, raising money, as opposed to growing revenue? Yeah. Well, What's the secret? Well, to be fair, we have been trying for, in the beginning quite hard to raise money because neither me or my co-founder had any useful skills to build this thing. No coding. No All right. So you're unqualified and you needed money. Yeah. Um, and I like that admission. We were, we were essentially rejected over and over again. And then how I many think, times? 
50, 100? I would say 50 is real. 50 people say no. Yeah. True Venture says yes. Yeah. At that point, then we had launched the product. And it was in our favor, definitely, that I met John in person at some event. And his kid used Wildcards, the product, that he really likes it. Ah. Um, so that's how it got started. And he was really excited about it. He said, look, Chris, I've never met anyone more excited about music education than you. My kid loves it. It was and then we, we showed the numbers. I did pitching competitions and stuff with about less than 100,000. We built the first product that Apple featured it. Wow. Um, as, at that time, it was a huge deal to be featured by Apple. And he said, look, if you do this with this little money, frankly, the, the idea or the, our perception is let's give the boys a million and see what they can do with it. Right. So that's a bit the starting point how we met and we got then um, ah. together with True Ventures. So the fact that you were able to prove that you were frugal with 100,000 unlocked the over the million dollars. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And I think it is fair to say, well, I still have the same enthusiasm for our mission and what we're doing. Yeah. I think music education is very important. And I think, I, I mean, you say this very often here as well, which is like if the, if the founders really like they want to do this because there is something bigger behind it. I think John recognized that. And that's where it started. Yes. Um, and you're based in Finland. Yep. Is that... Um, an asset to be out of the bubble in Silicon Valley? Or is it a challenge because you have to get people more ambitious and, you know, uh, thinking bigger? I'm curious. Um, I think it's an it's it's a bit of both. Hmm. Uh, the one thing is definitely, I mean, salaries compared to here. Is this Half a, price. I mean, yes. So you can pay a developer 75, 100 there? We can hire the best, some of the best engineers in the nation and we have because they choose also based on their passion and we don't have maybe that big of a pressure like you have here from the big uh, ones who just pay this absurd. very, yeah, let's salary two really, or three times yeah. what you have to pay. Yeah. Uh, fill in starting salary for an engineer, 75, 100, 125, something in that range? Uh, US? I would say less. Less even, starting, wow. Yeah. Well, on the low end that you A low there, end I of what I said, this. yeah. And- do they stay longer? What's the tenure like? Because that's one of the big problems here is that the tenure of like Facebook and Google employees, I understand, is like under two years now. I would say it's um, probably depends a bit on the company as well. For us, it's very good. Uh, people are staying. I think one thing is if, if you actually continue doing what you do. And one of the reasons that we do well with the retention is that there is a, well, Finland has the highest per capita heavy metal band density. So my generation of Finns, they had all this passion for heavy metal and that some wanted to become heavy metal guitarists. How did that happen? <laughs> How don't... did that happen that Finland became <laughs> the death heavy metal capital of Europe? That I don't know. I wasn't in How Finland. How many people even live in Finland? Like five or ten million? Five and a half million. Five and a half million. Yes. And they are obsessed with yeah, I think heavy it has been metal. maybe phasing out a little bit, although it's still, I mean, it, heavy wow. metal is a mainstream music genre, which is if you listen to the casual radio in the car, they'll play heavy metal songs. Oh my if God, you meet, I can't um, take it. Um, I can't the adults of our friends, some of them, yeah, listen to heavy metal. When you go to heavy People metal concerts, but <laughs> well, there is more gentle. Do you heavy teach metal death well. metal in musician? <laughs> there is some metal songs there as well. Yeah, see, we are probably slightly over. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to everybody listening to the pod. We are, we are not doing it on the singing, although that would be a really cool lesson on learn to sing. Yeah, it's basically just blow out your vocal cords. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't take it. I hate it. Anyway, so I there is that metal. whole generation. You like that stuff? Personally, you know, I do, yes. You do? Well, again, What do you listen to? Who's I, the famous Finnish 
heavy metal band. There's some band that's famous in Finland. I, I mean, Nightwish is probably the Nightwish. most famous. Yeah, yes, famous. They've sold three hundred thousand albums. It's amazing. I'm joking. They sold. I've never album. heard of them. Night. Nightwish. Wish. It's a bit older now as well, but it's probably one of my favorite bands. Really? How yeah. many times have you seen Nightwish in concert? Three. Three times. Yes. And the smile on your face right now, if only people could see it. Was this a peak experience for you going to see Nightwish? Um, to be fair, I actually prefer to listen to it on my own. But yes, it's definitely uh, a cool thing to do. But it's a personal experience for you. Now, now we are maybe uh, drifting. We're happy to go back. But what is interesting, in Switzerland... <laughs> when look you, at the producer over here. He's like, <laughs> when let's you get go back to, to a heavy metal concert in Switzerland, where yeah. I grew up, everyone is wearing black, long hair, white. I mean, this is kind of how you picture it. Yeah. When you go to, for the same band in in Finland, there's just everyone. There is a grandma and the kids are there. Ah. It's just kind of a different thing. It's a different thing. It's yeah. just like apple pie. It's yeah. just hot dogs and apple pie and just basic <laughs> Finnish culture. It, it's part of it, yes. But so the good news for us was that a, there is a lot of coders who are great guitarists and really into ah. it as well and that makes us very attractive because it's not just that we deal with music music education it's also you get to actually i mean most of our employees mm. have a guitar next to their desk you need to test it all the time of and course. so for them it's like look working on something they're passionate about we pay well we have a cool company it's going great uh, we keep some of the engineers for well since they started since we started frankly our first engineer that we hired is still with so us so there must be a non-stop uh l- line of late stage investors offering you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, $100 million investment in musician Mm -hmm. uh, in the hopes that you'll go to onto an IPO or maybe hit, you know, 250 million in revenue, something that would be in that IPO range. When we get back from this quick break, I want to know why you've turned down all these late stage offers for tons of money at high valuations when we get back on the Sweden Startup. Walker Corporate Law is a boutique law firm specializing in the representation of entrepreneurs and startups, and they encourage fixed fees. They believe that billable hours reward inefficiency, so they will tell you what you're going to spend for each of the things you need to get done with your legal team for your startup. Whether that's things like your terms of service, licensing agreements, mergers and acquisitions, whatever it is, you're raising money, you know how to do this, IP assignments, all this important stuff are going to be done by lawyers with decades of experience. You're not going to get an associate who is learning on the job and your startup is their grand experiment. No, Walker Corporate Law only uses people with decades of experience. And if you want to call the founder himself, Scott Ed Walker, call him at 415-979-9998, 9998. And you can email Scott at scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. He's been the longest running advertiser and partner here on This Week in Startups, for which I thank him. You can visit them at walkercorporatelaw.com. Thanks again, Scott, for partnering with us and supporting This Week in Startups all these years. It means a lot to me. 415-979-9998 or email scott, scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, Chris Turr is here. He is the he is the CEO and co-founder of Musician. They're making eight figures in revenue off of less than $4 million invested, 1.4 from our friends at True Ventures, and then a couple of milli from a grant. Um, you must be getting nonstop offers because you've hit this incredibly high revenue mark with people who want you to go public, but you haven't taken some big giant mega round? No, we haven't done that. And actually, I can answer the question still from before the break where you said any advice I can give. Yes. We had struggled in the beginning to get investment 
for for good reasons. And I tell the the entrepreneurs the best way to raise is if you don't need it. Become mm. profitable. Then it changes. Then um, you're the one getting the emails. How does it change? You're the one getting the emails. Got you're it. no longer reaching out, and you're the one who is like, ah, oh, I'll reply later. And I'm like, yeah, happy to talk, but right now is not the right time for us. Really? Um, when I mean, you say that to a top tier investor, we're not raising money right now, but would love to talk to you in maybe a year or something like that. And you yeah. nag them like that. What is their response? Well, in general, do they say they're getting on a plane to Finland? We've had a few. Yes, <laughs> that came to Finland. Yes, <laughs> they said we'll come to Finland. To be fair, it's it's um, more you. like wh while we are in Europe anyway, we are meeting somebody, and then you're like, why were you in Europe? It's like, no, we just came here for you. So they that make up, that was my move, <laughs> that you make up that you're in the area, can I stop by and see you? But really, they sent the trip around you, they just didn't want you to feel guilty about it. Something like this, yes. There is the Slush um, startup um, event, the biggest startup event in Europe, which happens in Helsinki. So a lot of investors actually go oh, there for anyway. Oh, for Slush. And then yeah, like, they invited me to speak at that Slush. In, you yeah. should go there. It's a very interesting I, experience. I, I'm going to do Slush one of these years. Uh, I get paid really big speaking fees now. And <laughs> I, I get – so these corporate yes. gigs are so profitable for me. Yeah. Like, And I only do two or three of them a year, but it's big money and – I get so many other offers that I'm just like, you know what? I'll just do two or three paid speaking gigs a year. And I don't think that, yeah. that's like a community thing. Like they're, they're not going to pay somebody to come from America to speak. They might pay for your flight yeah, or something. Yeah, as far as I understand. But yes, it is a voluntary run nonprofit organization. Exactly. To so I would feel community. bad trying to like charge them. So that's mm -hmm. what happens is like I get some great speaking gig in Hong Kong or Japan or Qatar mm -hmm. or whatever. I take that one first and then I run out of weekends. Yeah. To go somewhere, but I need to go there because it's yeah it's supposed to be a lot of fun. But so the reality is when the investors reach out and say like, and um, they for them it's still very often. And I think it's also genuine that they say, look, we also are happy to build a relationship. We want to know what's going on. And right. over time, for many of our investments, we have met them like years before even just to see. And to be fair, I have a few of those relationships with with some investors, and that if we feel like there is a right moment for us to actually raise around when it really makes sense. That we could actually, yeah. I mean, you you have a co-founder or two, uh, one one co-founder, mm -hmm. and you guys own eighty percent of the company with the team, some yeah. large amount. So it would make sense at this point for you to do a secondary offering, be able to take a little bit of money off your for yourselves, maybe for your long-term employees, people over four years. Yep. We get to sell a little bit. How do you think about those secondary market transactions? Wouldn't that make you even longer because right now you've been at this business for eight years nine years mm -hmm. and you haven't been able to take money off the table or i guess you could pay yourself a dividend um we could but we haven't done that either yeah so well i mean we, don't we, you how long are you going to push off you making some money here i i mean yeah, that yeah. is maybe one of the luxuries living in finland it is a bit of a different thing there because living there is not that expensive as it is here <sighs> so you so. don't feel that acute pressure it's just not there because healthcare is paid for when your kids mm. want to go to college, the government is giving them money to do that. So it is really like the other way around. So there is maybe huh. not that pressure. That being said, I think for some of the employees, definitely, who also in the very early days took very low salaries in exchange uh. for the equity. So we have been talking about this. So secondary is definitely not off, off the table. For I think us. that's the way to do it is for you to just set up like a $50 million secondary offering. People can buy in and out of it. And then what you can do is you can just use it. You just tell everybody on the team, like you can request how much you want to sell up to 25% of your holdings, mm. and then you approve it. So you get to make a decision like, I, I think this person's done a great job. I'm going to invite them into this mm -hmm. pool that'll be able to do it. 
yeah. and it's a nice reward for people and yeah you, it becomes a way for you to have these like golden handcuffs but not be mm. make it real for people that's the problem is if it's been eight years six seven eight years it becomes like well this is never going to happen yeah there is a bit maybe well i don't to be fair i think there is a lot of enthusiasm about what we do as a company and i think that starts with the founder as well and when it comes to then the investors as well for us it's really important we want somebody interested in the long run as well Mm. because we believe there is a massive opportunity in the future music education is going to remain important and creativity or at least that's how we look at it um playing an instrument is more than just learning to play the instrument is actually addressing one of the fundamental issues in my opinion going forward in the education system because it's a transferable skill of creativity making Mm. music trains your creativity and that's why i don't have anything i mean i'm still as passionate as day one we have many of the employees who are as passionate as as day one so for us the funding round is and the financial incentives for us as a company really have to make sure that they work from a company mission perspective right you don't want to bring somebody in there who's going to blow the thing up and is not long term like you and your team are yeah, that would be terrible. So it's not like you take the highest offer for somebody who's just interested in a quick hit. You want to have somebody who's in there for the long term and believes in the mission. Exactly. Are people in Finland motivated by equity? Because I don't think there's been many huge exits there. Maybe they see Spotify or K- Klarna or some of the things or Clash of Clans. What was that company? Yeah, Supercell. Supercell. Yeah. Maybe they see a couple of those. And has that gotten people into the hey there might be a lottery ticket like event for me here i could buy a house or something or are the scandinavian countries not motivated and the employees not motivated in that way to try to become millionaires and is that just too ostentatious you seem like all very reserved about how much money could be made in all of this um it's uncouth to talk about it's definitely not as big of a thing as it is here. I think that is fair to say. We do, of course, all our full-time employees have equity. They hope that it goes well and they hope there is an ex- um, benefit from them financially as well. I think to win, it's maybe not as extreme as here where you really like you compare the packages. Like yeah. We have a very good work environment. We do something meaningful. The company is going well. That is why people want to stay there. The equity is a really nice bonus, of course, to have. But it's uh, the startup ecosystem is not, uh, let's say, as big there. So most people don't have equity in what they do on a normal job. Yeah. So the startups is the only ones, or at least that I'm aware of, where mm-hmm. you would actually get equity. And it's not that big of a deal with the exception of the games companies. So Supercell and Rovio, the Angry Birds. There were a How couple do of people them. look at those founders who became worth tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Do people in the society, on a societal basis, in those Scandinavian countries, do they look up to that? Or do they think, oh, that is not fair that one person made all that money? Um, I know it's a complicated question, yeah, but I'm curious and, about the culture. And to be f- fair, I, I mean, I understand Finland, of course, better than the other Scandinavian yeah. countries, so it might be different. In Sweden, there is much more of these unicorns also that ha- has happened. In Finland, it is definitely, in general, a very reserved uh, nation mm-hmm. in, in with regards, and the culture is not very braggy. So right. the big deal is not about... Um, about like this, the unicorn exit type of thing. I think also the founders that you know, or that you may know, they are extraordinary, humble, modest people. Yeah, Daniel from um, Spotify is the humblest of the humble. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know Daniel? I don't know him personally. I think the Supercell founder is now a good, or in general, they are good examples, very helpful in the community. Don't make a big deal out of it that it was really I heard when you get a speeding company. ticket, they match it to your salary. <laughs> is that true? As far as I know, yes. If you 
go a bit too fast. I mean, it's, there is just speeding tickets, but I think once you cross a certain line, it's yeah, no longer, yeah. it's no longer just a fixed fee. It really depends on how much you make. And the idea here is that oh if you make, well, it, it's, it's unfair that the rich people, um, yeah, are easy, punished Chris. for them. It doesn't matter. Go easy, Chris. All right. I'm not moving to Finland anytime, <laughs> but no, it is true. Like I get a ticket for $200, you know, and at this point in my life, I'm like, Okay, well, that's VIP parking. I've given a hundred dollar tip to the valet before. Like, I don't mind. Yeah, in Finland, in Helsinki, but people in, don't I go heard around. you can get like a fifteen thousand dollar. <laughs> some guy got a fifteen thousand dollar ticket or something. That's probably an extraordinarily wealthy individual. But the good news is you don't have to speed in Finland because we only have traffic jam one day a year. Well, here we go. The Sabers Ramus Ristolinen earned himself a ridiculous speeding ticket in <laughs> Finland. What? A hundred and twenty thousand euros takes the lead in Finnish NHL player speeding ticket. San, hold on a second. Do you realize that that speeding ticket of a hundred and twenty thousand euros is likely more than the car cost? I believe. Oh my lord, that is unbelievable. A one hundred twenty thousand euro. What do you drive? You drive a Tesla? Uh, bicycle. You drive a bicycle. Do you own yes. a car? No. Oh, my Lord. Look at you. <laughs> Founder of a unicorn company, and he drives a bicycle. I cycle every day to work. I'm not very disciplined with sports, so yeah. that's the thing that gets what, me. What is uh, Europe? What, what are those Scandinavian countries, also Germany, getting right about bicycles that makes it so empowering for people to use that as their primary form of transportation? Is it just that the, the, it's a smaller footprint geographically or is it the safety of the bike lanes? Yeah, they, um, I think the cities, at least again in Helsinki and a few others, the cities have already historically been not laid out entirely for cars. They've right. grown. Uh, so that's one thing. For, then again, Finland, it gets super cold. So there is a seasonality to it as well. Mm -hmm. But yes, we have. So I, I cycle about half an hour and I have to cross once two streets so i'm you have really an electric bike or a regular a regular bike you cross only one or two streets something like this yes yeah. it's very convenient you have your own lane it's there's like traffic jam almost with the bikes on a on a nice day i couldn't believe when i was in denmark um and we were you know riding bikes and just going for long i like going for long walks like four or five mm -hmm. mile walks around cities that's my like dream vacation is oh. to just walk five or six miles around tokyo or cool. you know denmark and I was amazed at how many of the roads along the water, the beautiful, most picturesque, had no cars. Yeah. Cars couldn't go near these lanes. Yeah. And it was just wonderful. Yeah. I, I lived about half a year in San Francisco. I also went around here by bike, but it's definitely a much scarier thing. My um, God, is it scary. Plus, it's hilly. <laughs> that's maybe the other thing I'd probably Well, that's why I think these electric bikes... The pedal assist or the ones with the throttles are going to be the game changer of all game changers. Like once people get on that new bird bike, bird has one in mm -hmm. LA they're testing, which is you can just walk on and off. It has no pedals. It's just like almost like a little mini moped yeah. and it has a throttle on it. You don't sweat. So yeah, you don't get exercise. But then there's these, you know, in between ones yeah. where you can pedal assist. Yeah. Pedal assist is getting popular there. Yeah, half electric or no? I think still most of the bikes I see on the street are not electric, but Helsinki is a very flat city as well, so you don't go up and down. I think one more thing that maybe now when I think about it, it comes to mind, it's still it's a bit of a culture of cycling in 
I, I'm, I, I, I'm curious to hear it from you. For us, we have a shower at the office and really there is a queue in the morning. So people cycle. I mean, it's their morning exercise. Oh, they cycle and they, Th- they bathe really at work. Sweaty, so they really get sweaty and then you yeah. take a, sh- a quick ah. shower and you get to work. And that is, it's popular. I mean, what we are thinking nice now getting a second way shower. to get ready it's for work. It's yeah. great. So yeah. you have a locker, people can go take a shower. Exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. Yep. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's super. And then it's different because then it's like if you get sweaty or not, look, you get half an hour exercise in. It's actually great. It is absolutely fantastic. And I, I, the other thing that was amazing to me as an American was getting out of the train station and seeing 400 bicycles mm-hmm. in a square on their kickstands, not locked. In Finland, okay. do people lock up their bikes or not? Yeah. They're I locking would, them up now? I don't remove my lights, but I do lock the bike. You do lock the bike? Yeah. Ah, good. so there's a little bit of crime. People will steal a bike? The, yeah, it's, I've lived there now for 10 years, and the only crime I've ever witnessed is that my bike got stolen. <laughs> really? So that's, yeah, that was, it happened that's once. That's crazy because in Left Denmark, like people are leaving their bikes everywhere, and they're not even locking them up. Maybe things have changed. This is a couple of years ago. Yeah, it probably depends also on towns. Ah, that's so maybe probably the, it. All right, when we get back, you want to yeah. play ukulele for me? You play Freebird or something? What are you going to play on that ukulele for me? Well, unfortunately, I probably have to get music back rights, rights issues. Yes, so oh, I, I'm going to play something that we did ourselves, but it's a cool song. All right. Um, here we go. When we get back, a little demo from Chris, who's going to tickle the ukulele here for Nylon Strings when we get back on This Week in Startups. When the Brex founders, Henrique and Pedro, came to the U.S. from Brazil working on their VR startup, they were rejected for a corporate card. Well, they pivoted and they built Brex, the corporate card designed just for a startup. Now, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this. There's a lot of buzz, but there's thousands and thousands of founders now using the Brex card because it doesn't require a personal guarantee, which is scary. So founders don't need to put their assets or their credit history at risk. They underwrite your startup, not you as the founder. So that means the card limits can be 20x what you would have gotten with a traditional corporate card. And they eliminate the hassle of tracking receipts with their automatic receipt matching tool. And you get unbelievable rewards, like seven times the points on Uber and Lyft, four times on travel, three times on restaurants, and 2x on reoccurring software also known as SaaS. So if you are a venture-backed startup based in the U.S., Brex was built just for you. So I want you to go visit brex.com slash twist and get card fees waived for life by entering the code twist, T-W-I-S-T, at startup. And in addition to that, this is crazy. A special bonus for the thousandth episode of This Week in Startups. You spend $1,000 on your Brex card and they will give you $250 back. Wait a second. You spend a thousand, you get two fifty back. Think about that. That's a free two hundred fifty dollars for you. It's the biggest offer anyone has ever given away on this week in startups. Thank you to our friends at Brex for doing this. And all you have to do is sign up for Brex by November thirtieth. Just go to Brex.com/twist, and you're gonna get two hundred fifty bucks. Amazing. Thank you, Brex. All right, welcome back to this week in startups. Chris Tur is going to play the ukulele. Or a guitar that's missing two strings, but I think it's a ukulele. It's a ukulele, yes. It's, I'm, my main instrument is the piano, but to travel, this is just so much easier. All right, and here um, we are for those people who are just tuning in. I see you've recently played Banana Boats. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to do. I Which is a level five, mm-hmm. and I see you've got the green circle is uh, one quarter finished. 
Yeah, the, I mean, it just indicates how good I am. There is 15 levels on Musician, mm -hmm. and the level number 15 is, like, crazy difficult. Level yeah. 5 is, like, you can play with your friends around the campfire. Got it. Intermediate. Yeah. Beginner, intermediate. Yeah. I mean, you'll hear it right now, roughly. All right, let's it, see what, how bad you, I mean, great to. you are at this. So, so I've you're gonna been do, already pretty good. And I'm, this is what I love, by the way. I'll just pause for a second yeah. uh, and describe. This is why I love the service. They've broken the song into five parts. You have gotten three stars on parts one, two, and five. Mm -hmm. But you haven't even tried parts three and four yet. Uh, they are actually silver stars in this. Oh, space. those are silver stars. Be. So gold stars means I made Perfect. zero mistakes. Right. Yes. And then on the top, it says your best score, 238,000 on this song, Banana Boats. Yeah. And you see your other friends who've played it. Yeah. And you can either go into play mode or practice mode. Practice mode lets you set a loop or slow it down. But play mode, you're on your own. So you're going into play mode, aren't you? It's kind of the performance. Here we yeah, go. I'm okay, Chris. Do part one. Just part one, the one that you've got three stars. Here we go. Banana Boats is loading and the ball's bouncing. Tick, 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 tick. Part one, get ready. Oh, you missed one. Ba da 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 Da, 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 da. I love a good Pegasus company. I like a Pegasus. Skip your Series A. J. Cal makes more money. Skip your Series B. Oh, pure joy and glee. Let's make so much money. All right, let's do, that's pretty good. All right, let's see how you did. You got three silvers. Uh, 44.05 was your score. Just below your best. Yeah. So we're going to do it one more time. Okay. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> I tried to, I made the mistakes uh, deliberately Here so people go. can okay. see Here that. we go. Three times speed. You're bouncing along. Here we go. Chris started musician. Took him three products to get product market fit. Now he's gonna be rich. In Finland, gonna buy his first car. And he's gonna speed. Get a hundred euro fine for his Maserati all the time. You can give him more fines. It doesn't matter because got product market fit and he's never going to quit. Ah. There we go. And the gold oh. stars. At least. Gold stars. Very good. Good. You and I are going to take the show on the road. The Pegasus and the Angel. So there's no way for me to participate. You ever? You have a board? We do have a board, yes. Who's on the board? John Callahan from True, and then um, Josh Duyon. He was at Control Labs, which was ah. just sold to Facebook. All right. So here, let's do a little business here, Chris. Mm -hmm. You need to, because you have your two founders on the board. Mm -hmm. You got the two investors, or one investor. One investor, one independent. You need to have an evangelist type, mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, high profile, independent board member. This is what you need. Sounds like for like two years. Do you know anyone that would fit that? I, well, it's got to be somebody who <laughs> loved the product, yeah, that and is aspires true. to be great at the product, and who can be out there, you know, just banging the drum for you, yeah, for fifty basis points. What do we think? Two years, fifty basis points, maybe thirty-five basis points. I, I'm flexible here. I mean, I've already made my money, but it's got to be something to get me on a plane. I'd love to talk about that. All yes. right, here we go. This could be the start of something. Mm -hmm. And I'm just for the people out there who are investors, sometimes you miss. I miss musician. I missed it. I blew it. But boy, do I love your product. And I mean that sincerely. When you emailed me and I saw a musician and you're like, I happen to be in town. You know what? I just thought, God, I respect this product so much because I love it. And it really is everything that's great 
about this moment in time for startups. And I think you're a great example to people, even though you didn't consider yourself like a natural founder, you weren't a developer, you didn't consider yourself qualified. You know what? You're qualified because you're passionate, you don't give up, and you constantly refine that goddamn product through two failed versions. And I shouldn't even say failed versions. You had two versions that were moderate successes, which is even harder to shut down, isn't it? Mm. It's yeah. hard to move on from a moderate success. Yeah. But yep. that is a lesson, isn't it? Yeah. You got you to kill those moderate successes in order to have a breakout. Yep. Congratulations, Chris. I'm Thank really you. excited for you. Good luck. I, I think you're in town for this True Ventures uh, CEO yeah, Summit. The founder camp. Founder camp. Yes. Are you giving the keynote? No, I'm just- You should be giving the keynote. Let me tell you something. Learn. I believe you will be sitting here in a couple of years. I think you're going to get to 10 million subscribers. I believe Calm, Musician, Fitbod will all have 10 million subscribers and people's minds are going to be blown hmm. because they don't see it, Chris. They don't see what you and I see clearly, which is if people, 150 million people subscribe to Netflix hmm. and that's passive yep. and that doesn't fulfill them. It just fills the time, Netflix and chill. But learning an instrument or learning how to meditate or learning how to do CrossFit, these are things that have a deep and lasting impact on people's lives. Yeah. And that's what you're working on. So it's a slower burn on the way up. But, you know, I think Calm has been pretty clear that they now have over a million subscribers. Mm -hmm. You'll be there soon, I think. Paid subscribers. Oh, so, yes. Not there yet, but you will. Yeah. And I think Apple and Google, you're the reason people are going to be buying phones is that that's their new place mm -hmm. to go have an enriched experience in their life. It's not about the stupid throwaway apps. Now it's mm. about stuff that actually brings joy and meaning to people's lives. Yeah. That's what you're part of. That's the tip of the yeah. spear that you're part of. And I think it's tremendous. And everybody who's out there listening, if you have an idea, just think ESPN for sports, right? So what are the, people would subscribe to that, right? They had a hundred millions, over hundreds of millions of subscribers to ESPN across all of these networks. There's going to be an ESPN equivalent or a cnbc or a cnn equivalent for every passion people have yep. whether it's cooking whether it's music music whether it's meditation or yoga or cross fitness mm -hmm. any of these dance they're all going to have millions of subscribers oh my god all right listen sorry i get very excited about your <laughs> I, business. I'm, I'm happy to hear it and I, I share the excitement the enthusiasm i think it's a beautiful thing to get people actually do something meaningful yes. the user stories we hear they are fantastic i mean some of those people it makes a big difference in people's lives whether it's a casual thing that you do on the site or you really really get into it also i think pe gamification gets a bad uh rap because people are like oh you gamified it to get people addicted to their facebook feed their twitter feed and those things are not healthy for people being addicted to instagram twitter and facebook is not healthy for kids or young people but if you can use gamification to make young people or even adults addicted to fasting and losing weight meditation playing music that's beautiful in the world yeah that's a beautiful use of gamification. So in a way, you're taking the superpower that could be used for evil or good, and you're using it for good. And I think that's going to be just a beautiful thing you've done for the world because there's people out there who don't have access to education. Mm. And now with the musician, literally, you could make it a dollar a year in 
Africa, right? Or in South America, you make it $5. You could actually change the price by location. Yeah. How many languages are you in now? Just it's one? only English at the moment. So oh my God. Can you imagine <laughs> when you translate this into Chinese, Japanese, and Spanish? Oh my Lord. Your revenue is going to go 5X, <laughs> 10X. What's taking so long to translate the languages? Mm, it's not so much about, I mean, it's just a question of focus. Ah, that is the thing. We want to do it well. And I believe it's mm. a good product. I think there is still a few more things we have to do, but we are talking about localizing uh. to different languages. Music, though, is a bit more culturally rooted. So there is a bit more to it um, than just translating the words mm. because different cultures listen to different music and right. they also appreciate and, and learn differently. So there is a, some work to be done, mm. um, but we'll tackle that as well. You ever I think, think it's you're a universal make... language. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to go possible. back to making... Uh, do you ever think you'll make instruments to pair with this because that like peloton was kind of like the magic is that i love that peloton treadmill i mean i am in love with it um but it's the magic of the whole experience you think there's an opportunity to make a guitar or partner with somebody on a guitar we've been looking into this as well yes what would that do would it just make the um would you be able to light it up or something and show people where to hit what would the what would the key thing be uh the key benefit i would say we we Peloton, I don't know how much time we have. As much as you want to go. With Peloton, I think what they got right is that they said the reason why people don't buy these bikes is not because they can't afford it. They said they know that they're probably not going to use them. And that's what Peloton was not trying to convince those who are going to buy bikes to buy their bike. They were convincing people to say, this is a thing that's cool, that's fun. You're going to get one and you're going to use it. Right. And that is the kind of the stumbling block. I think for the instrument, we have that part, which is with musician, you're going to use it, you're going to enjoy it, you're going to learn. So people right. are not, not buying guitars because, uh, can I afford it or, or where do I find one? But it's really, I'm, am I, am I going to use it? Mm. But so there it's is the outcome. In a way. Of course, I mean, what you want in, in the Peloton case, you want to be fit and healthy. In this right. case, you want to be able to make music express yourself. So that's really the goal. I think the one thing we see is that buying an instrument is quite an intimidating experience. It is. Because there's so many. Which one should I get? It's 50 and 50,000. Should 50, I get an 5, electric 000. guitar? Should I get acoustic? Should I get a semi-acoustic? Yeah. And then on top of that comes like, and then how do I learn this thing? Is there like a book or can I do it on YouTube? Should I ask How do friend, I load the teacher? strings? How do I put it in tune? There which is... strings do I get? Do I use a pick? Yep. It's a lot of questions. Yes. And I think the, the benefit probably could be that we say we have a, a beautiful one solution, which is like we get you the instrument, you can try it out if it doesn't work for you just send it back right and you can put people on a monthly plan you could blend that cost into the plan so Mm -hmm. imagine i take out my app and i say i want to learn guitar i've been using it for piano i have a piano and you say buy this guitar and unlock these guitar things for one low monthly price and we'll ship you the guitar that would be amazing just take all the risk out of it also Mm -hmm. for christmas gifts and for holiday gifts being able to gift somebody two years of lessons and the guitar for 600 bucks, let's say the guitar costs you two or 300, and then you, oh my God, now you've sold the whole package to people. Yeah, on top of that, you probably give that person the most valuable Christmas gift they'll ever gotten in their life. Absolutely. Mark Knopfler begged his dad for a guitar. That's all he ever wanted. Mm. And he got like a really crummy one and he slept with it. Mm. And then he gave the world all this beautiful music. Yeah. All right, listen, cool. Chris, you're my hero. Congratulations <laughs> on having a Pegasus. And I'll see you at the board meeting in Finland. I need an excuse <laughs> to go there anyway. The food's good. You got good fish, right? Yep. What's the fish in the mustard sauce? The herring or the mackerel and mustard sauce? Yeah, herring. You know what I'm talking? It's yes, herring. Yeah. What do they call that oh, for breakfast when you have that mustard herring? Mustard herring. 
Um, There's a name for it, but oh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the funny word is tilly silly. So silly is the fish and tilly is the... Tilly. Sauce? No, what is the green? Oh, like... Uh, the, this, the, herb, the, the herb that's green, like parsley? Yeah, something like, or something like, like uh, I'm not sure, but anyway, dilly, it's a funny dilly, 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 And that's dilly, yeah, what dilly. you get for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> I had that when I was last time in Stockholm. Oh, with the maybe it's dill. Dill, it's so, dill. yes, dill. That's what it is. It's the dill. <laughs> so they have the mustard and the dill and the herring mixed up, and they put it like in a, I don't know, like in a bucket or something mm-hmm. with a wood cover on it. Yep. And you open it up. You spoon it out and oh my lord, it smells so good. I could eat that. And I'm the brown sure bread. If you come to Slush, they'll yeah. for sure put you in a hotel where the beautiful breakfast has been. I love included. that. You know what I like too is those um, Schmorberg, you know, the open face sandwiches. Schmorberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that. Ida Davidson when I'm in Denmark, this is the place. Yeah. Ida Davidson, they have the big open face sandwiches. <gasps> brown bread with butter. Oof. What's Finland? What's their major dish? Is there like well, a? I think they are similar. I think the salmon soup is big. Salmon uh, soup, big, and then the reindeer stew, reindeer-related things. So I want that reindeer. Oh, give me a little bit of that. In some market, I saw you can buy a bear salami if you're into that. Kind I don't of thing. think I want to eat a bear. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I'm fine <laughs> with the reindeer, but I don't want to eat an apex predator. Yeah, I don't know why. The reindeer is fairly. Uh, you can get it in many restaurants. Yeah, it's yeah. Also yeah. Elk with, reindeer, like yeah. it's um, sustainably sourced. I mean, they are yeah. not, they are kind of herded, but they're really open there. In yeah, they're open herded. Yeah, there's just a, a zillion of them. It's, it's a lot of them. Yeah. All right, we'll see you all next time yeah. on this week's service. Bye bye. <laughs>